Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. I I, I opened up with this as, as drumming. Because I will tell you, before I was a pastor full-time, professionally, I was a musician. Many of you know that. And not, not as a hobby. Like, I paid the mortgage as a musician. I've composed for Emmy Award-winning movies. I've composed for Broadway shows. I've toured with Grammy Award-winning artists. I've been blessed to, to, to do this as a part of my life. But for some reason, early on in my Christian walk, I, I was kind of led to believe that I had to to look beyond all of that stuff, look beyond my ethnicity, look beyond my stuff, because, because once you become a Christian, you're a new, new creation. Y'all have heard that before, right? Uh, once you become a Christian, you're a new creation. So I thought that I had to, to get rid of all of that stuff. I had to get rid of the, the drums and all of the stuff that made me. But then I read scripture for myself and I realized, no, 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 no. God's great plan was, was that we use all of that. And so one of the first ministries I ever started at the church where I became a Christian in Marietta, Turner Chapel AME Church, at that very church, the very first ministry I started was an African dance and drum ministry. Now, I've been gone from Turner Chapel for quite some time. I became a Christian there in the year 2000, and, and I left there around 2003 and moved on to other ministry opportunities. But it was there that that pastor sat me down. And when I gave my life to Christ, I said, you know what? Nobody in my family is a musician. Nobody in my family plays drums. And I've never taken a formal lesson. So, so I want to give back what I believe God gave me, which is the talent to play percussion, which was the talent to, to, to share this gift. And I went to the pastor and I said, hey, uh, can I have a room on a Saturday where I can teach anybody who wants to learn how to play for free? And the pastor looked at me, and he was from Trinidad, and he's, he just passed away this year, earlier this year, as a matter of fact. And he said to me, he said, you know what, that's the answer to a dream. That's the answer to a prayer. I've always wanted to start a drum ministry. And I said, no, 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 no. I just want to teach people how to drum. I just got saved. I don't know nothing about no ministry stuff. Don't, don't give me that much responsibility. But it was through him that I learned that everything that God gives you, he makes it redeemable to be used for his good. He used, he used this drum and he used my spoken word. I was a spoken word artist for a long time. And this message is not about me. I'm just trying to help you with understanding what we're talking about with identity crisis. I was a spoken word artist and I had traveled and competed in, in Ann Arbor and in Detroit and Toronto and all these other places. Uh, I was uh, uh, at the New Yorican Cafe uh, in New York City and I've, I've been all over, sat with... Uh, if you're familiar with uh, The Last Poets, I've sat at the, uh, at the house of Brother Abi Odum, one of the founders of The Last Poets. I've sat and talked and had counsel with Saul Williams, an amazing poet. And I've been able to sit with these great people. And I thought that once I became a Christian, I couldn't use that because here's why I didn't think I could use that. Because I had previously been using that gift for my own benefit. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so I didn't feel I could use that gift, but I realized that God took that and put me on this stage and put a mic in my hand and gave me the comfort and the ability to articulate and share and, and, and share the gospel for his benefit, not mine. So I realized he used all that from my past, made it redeemable so that it can be used again. Let's talk about identity crisis. An identity crisis, and this is my loose definition, is the struggle between who you are now and who you want to become. It took me a long time to become a Christian. Can I be honest? Can I just can we be transparent for just a moment right here? Don't judge me. It took me a long time to become a Christian. Two reasons. Number one, every time I went to a church, I felt judgment and condemnation. Number two, I never saw people of color in the Bible. All I saw when I when it related to Christianity was, well, uh, they, they put that on us as slaves they named the slave ships after Christian things, and that's all I saw. It was completely a whitewashed religion. And so because I felt judged when I went at the black churches, and then at the same black churches, all I saw was pictures of Jesus with a nice perm and a nicely trimmed up beard on the back of the fans. I felt that, well, this isn't the religion for me. And can I tell you, there are many people with melanin, many young brothers and sisters that are being lost with these cultish things like the black his, uh, Hebrew, uh, black Israelites and the 5% nation, which is something that I begin to go to because we're searching for our identity. And I didn't think that Christianity identified well with who I was at the time. And so I chose something that looked more like me, even if it didn't make sense. And many of us as Christians, especially our young people of color, are struggling with this because if we don't tell them that, hey, the early church fathers were from Africa, if we don't tell them about people like Polycarp and we don't tell them about uh, St. Augustine, a uh, 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 hippo, of hippo we don't tell them about the great patriarchs of this faith that have color and have melanin then we lose our kids because we're all searching for an identity and i want to tell you i'm just going to be straight up with you telling them that you know jesus is it is not enough because the only vision they have of jesus is the one that they've seen on grandmama wall and so today we're going to talk about the identity crisis that we find ourselves in I want to I, I want to love Jesus, but can I still be a part of this? Can I tell you that in the early Bible, in the early days of the church, even Old Testament, New Testament, race mattered. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on now, Pastor. You you crossing over into some some murky territory. It did. How do I know? Well, let's go Old Testament where everybody was defined. The Jebusites, the, the Hebusites, the everybodyites, the every, Amorites, everybody, they had an identity. Why did they have an identity? Because it mattered. They were able to be identified with their, with their cultural background. Oh, you can't tell me that it didn't matter. Then we can move on and we see there are Jews and there are Gentiles and there's Samaritans. Everybody, there was an identity. But that's not a bad thing because God made each and every one of us for a purpose and a reason. So here it is. We have T'Challa who has an identity crisis. Let me play a clip for you of the first time he becomes king, and he has a conversation with his father. And I'll be back to talk a little bit more about it. You notice that? First thing he asks is, tell me how to be the best king for Wakanda. And many of us 
Years ago, when we accepted Christ in our lives, we looked at the model our parents left for us into how we should be Christians. Right? We, and I'm not saying that model is wrong, but we looked at models that were already pre-existing. How do I be a good Christian? How, how do I be? I want to be like you. But I want to tell you that what God's plan for you is not the same plan that he gave your parents. Your Christian walk may be radically different than the walk of your parents. Your Christian model and example that you give to your children may be radically different than what your parents gave you. I'm not saying what your parents gave you is bad. I'm not saying that, but it's radically different. For many years, if you've watched the movie, and I'm going to, you know, tell you some stuff. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry, you're late. But uh, I'm just going to tell you some scenes, okay, here. So for many years, if you've watched the movie, you will know that Tashaka, who is T'Challa's father, the original king, he led a certain way where all of the riches, all of the good things, all of the wonderful things that make up Wakanda was only for Wakanda. Let's keep it safe. Let's keep it sacred. Let's keep it private. Let's keep it to ourselves. And because of that, wanting to keep it sacred, keep it private, keep it to ourselves, we're introduced to a person by the name of Killmonger, which we talk, who we talked about earlier, who is... T'Challa's cousin and T'Chaka's nephew. Now, why is he important? Well, here's why. In order to keep it private, sacred, and to ourselves, they committed a very, very bad crime that caused this young brother, Killmonger, to be vicious and violent. Here's what happened. Let me just summarize it for you really quick, and then I'm going to get to some scripture so y'all can say y'all went to church today. Killmonger's father was Tishaka's brother. Killmonger's father wanted to do something greater than what Wakandans were doing. Killmonger's father felt like, you know, we're not doing enough. He's, he's there. He's sharing and selling the, this wonderful gift of vibranium that is only found in Wakanda. He's, he's making deals, side deals. He wasn't doing anything maliciously. He was just trying to help people out that looked like him. But in, in, in an effort to keep Wakanda stuff sacred, private, and to ourselves, the only way we can stop this madness and not, everybody, not let everybody know about how wonderfully blessed we are, we've got to kill what has already been out here. We've got to kill this poisonous thing. And so this poisonous thing just so happened to be Tishaka's father, Killmonger's, I mean Tishaka's brother, Killmonger's father. So Tishaka kills his own brother for the sake of holding on to what's, ready, what's sacred, what's private, and they should keep to themselves. And I'm just going to be honest with you. The church has done the same thing. 
In order to keep what's sacred, let's only talk about the gospel. Let's not talk about culture. Let's not talk about race unless we're talking about being one body. That's the only time we talk about it. In order to to, to keep it sacred, let's not change the picture of Jesus with the blonde hair, with the perfectly lined up beard on the wall. Let's not change that and ruin things because we got a good thing going. Let's just let them believe what they want to believe. Let's not change that. When the truth of the matter is, we need to, as the church, be at the forefront of telling the truth. There's a way in the world Jesus had blue blue eyes and and blonde hair with a nicely trimmed up beard. Not in the region he was in. Not in the place he was in. There was no way that that, that Paul could even be identified with that. Because because even Paul was looked at, the first thing they did was they, they misidentified him and said, oh, you must be an Egyptian. It's in the scripture. Why would they say that Paul would look like an Egyptian unless he looked like an Egyptian? (laughs) Many of our people have not come to embrace Christ because of the identity crisis that we have that has been held back. Our parents never paused to tell us about it. They just kept waving that flag with Jesus on it. That fan, woo, it's hiding here with that flag and all of that, that fan. And you see blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus. And today I'm going to challenge you. Let's tell the truth about the Bible. We existed way back then. This faith was started a long time ago and we were in the middle and the beginning and the continuation of it. And I'm not saying let's be divisive about this, but let's begin to talk about our truths. Because guess what? Our kids are not going to learn about our history in school. They're going to learn they were slaves. Our kids are going to learn... (laughs) That, that Dr. Martin Luther King died for them. They may learn about uh, 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 Harriet Tubman and a few others. May Jameson, now President Barack Obama. But they got to learn about other people. People that paved the way. People that created this. And people who were, 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 were really, per, 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 uh, who, who, who really, really set, held on to our history. They need to learn about people like, like Arthur Schomburg. And his library of black history facts and and many others. But anyway, this is not about that. Y'all getting quiet on me. I figured y'all would because y'all wanted a a feel-good message. So let me help you with the feel-good message. God is good all the time and amen. We're good now. You you should feel better. That's your feel-good message today. If that's what you came for, you know, Jesus is always on time. You know, he's, he's right there. If that's what you came for, you got that. But I want to talk about some identity issues we have here. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because the church is silent on issues and matters of social justice. We're still waiting for the government to help us out and the church is silent on it. We're silent on it and we're not called to be silent because the Bible out I read tells me about a Jesus that was radical. A Jesus that stood up against the oppressive government of the Romans. A a Jesus that that, that broke the laws of the land that decided to heal people on a Sabbath. The Jesus that told his disciples, I know you're not supposed to be uh, getting wheat on a Sabbath, but I said go ahead and do it. The Jesus that told people, I don't care what your laws say, this woman is not going to be stone because she committed a sin he who was without sin cast the first stone we need to be talking about that kind of truth and we're silent about it 
We're silent about it. We're focused on what's happening in our four walls and we're missing it. And I think that if the church comes to the reality that we indeed have an identity crisis, then and only then can we begin to deal with the crisis of the world. We have to confront that. Our identity in Christ does not take a backseat to our identity in ethnicity. Don't you dare believe that. And I've had people tell me that literally when I, when I, when I, when I raise my fist and pump my fist talking about black lives matter. No, Broderick, you're a Christian. All lives matter. Yeah, I get that. That's true. All lives do matter. But right now, our lives don't seem to matter because they're taking us out in big numbers. They're changing the laws. There's voter restrictions still going on. The most people in jail right now are black males. Slavery still exists just in another form. Y'all didn't come here for that kind of message. I'm sorry. I have something for you next week a little different. I promise. But today, I'm going to tell the truth. The church is silent about matters. Do you realize I read this article one day and the writer said this. He said, if Jesus was to come back right now, he would shun the very thing that's named after him. This church, the church. He would look and say, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't what I left. I don't know what this is, but that is not my bride. Who is this? Yeah, I almost said something. That's not my bride. Jesus would shun the very thing that bears his name, the very thing that he bared on the cross, because we look nothing like what he looks like. We got great services. We got great programming, but we're not doing enough out there. Ethnicity as a tool for identification was commonly used biblically. That's how we know about the Jews. They're called Jews. That's how we know about the Gentiles, because that's their identity. They're called Gentiles. That's how we know about the Egyptians, because they had an identity. That's how we know about the Ethiopian. Right, wait, wait. There's Ethiopians that read the New Testament. The Ethiopian eunuch, the government-elected official that was baptized. Yes, we know about them because race matters. Their race made a difference. And I'm not saying separately, but what I'm trying to say is you can be who God created you to be and still love Jesus. There's nothing wrong with having pride in how God created you. He created you for a reason. He created you and I for a reason. When you become Christian, you don't suddenly become translucent. Oh man, that was deeper than y'all said something to. When you become Christian, you don't suddenly become translucent. Let me, let me, let me fix the word. I, I know that's, I, some of y'all getting your Websters off. Chill out. When you become Christian you, Christian, you don't suddenly become the invisible man. All of a sudden, that beautiful melanin that God gave you that even skin cancer can't really mess with you about. Yeah, he gave to you because we are chosen people. All right, that's another sermon. Doesn't suddenly go away because you're Christian. You are still in the same skin you were in. Before you accepted Christ in your life, it doesn't change you because you become Christian. You doesn't you don't suddenly become translucent. You are still who God created you to be in the skin that you are in. He gave you that skin because he's given you access to areas that people who don't have that same skin can't get into. And whatever your racial or ethnic identity is, he's given to you for a purpose. Let's think about it. Paul. A Hebrew, but a Roman citizen. 
Huh? He's a Hebrew, but a Roman citizen, a Pharisee. Had he not chosen Paul to carry the gospel, Paul, who had access to these people, wouldn't have access to them. He specifically chose Paul. Why? Because Paul had access that others couldn't have access to. Those same disciples that had been walking with Jesus for three years of his ministry did not have the same access that Paul had. Why? They weren't Pharisees. They were not from the tribe of Benjamin. They weren't Roman citizens. They did not have the same access Paul had. So God said, I'm going to call this dude right here. And I want to call him because he's persecuting me. He is perfect. And he calls Paul. And Paul takes this whole movement called the way that you and I today identify as the church, takes it to a whole new level. Why? Because God used what was in him already to open up doors that others couldn't be opened. And I'm telling you sitting in this room right now, God has called you and your beautiful melanin. God has called you and your beautiful skin. God has called you flaws and all that will open up doors that others can't get to. You are specifically called to a certain people of a group of people. You are specifically called to a specific generation. You are specifically called for a specific purpose that only you have the key to get into. Don't change anything about you. And for a long time, that was my issue. I was a radical five percenter. I mean, I, I, mean I, pre- I, I was all about rhetoric. I can't tell you how many people I converted to be five percenters. It was bad. It was bad. But I said, I can't do that. Oh, man, I, I, I got to die down to that five percent stuff. I, and then after I was a five percenter, I became a Sunni Muslim. I said, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't associate with Muslims because I'm a Christian. And, and God checked me hard on that. If you don't associate with those people, how will you ever, ever, get, how will they ever get to know me? And I've spoken with so many Muslims and just shared the the authentic Bible and even the Quran and showed them just how wonderful and beautiful Jesus is and and, and that he was indeed and is the Messiah and was called for all people, including them. And so many Muslims have now become Christians as a result of my witness. And five percenters, I've shared with the five percenters my same story and how I got caught up in that because I was having an identity crisis. But once I realized that my first identity is in Christ, and and though I'm still with the same melanin that that, that God changed me and I'm a changed person, now I can share with them the authentic Jesus Christ not the one on the back of the fan or in grandmama's living room or the one that sits at that large table with a whole bunch of people that look like him who actually would be sunburned if that was the truth can I be honest can I speak the truth can I speak the truth not trying to offend anybody but I'm just trying to say we we've just accepted stuff as is and we have to change it We got kids that are coming up behind us. They need to know their truth so that they don't have an identity crisis. America has an identity crisis right now. Everybody's trying to fit into a box. They're trying to fit into a box racially and culturally. We can look at Rachel Dolezal. She's a great example of that. I identify as black woman. You know, you know, we we seen your parents, right? We have an identity crisis regarding our sexual preference. So much so that, that they can't even decide what they want to call themselves. It's like last time I checked, there's like over 48 names for people who are transgender or whatever sexual preference they want to be. America has an identity crisis. And the biggest crisis America has is that we still live under the fallacy that we are a Christian nation. I, I said that right. It's a fallacy that we are a Christian nation. I know on our money it says, in God we trust, but the truth is what they're saying is, in this dollar bill we trust. 
And as long as I got more of it and keep it coming in, man, I feel good. But the minute that runs out, this is why people was jumping out the windows when we had the big Imran issue going on. Why? Because their money was running out. Because they were trusting in their money, not the God that their money said they trusted in. Y'all ain't talking back to me this morning. I know this ain't the message y'all came here for. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to get to something like that later on, I promise you. Because we've been raised to new life with Christ, we have a new ethnos, which means cultural nationality or identity. However, it's not void of our actual race or identity. We become Christians. When we become Christians, we have a new ethnos, a new nationality, a new cultural identity, but it's not void of the skin we're in, if that makes sense. It's not void of that. And so often people say, you know, it's not about that. It's a, we're all one body. We're all one body when, when it's not against you, but, but we become divided when, when it's about us. We're, we're all one body when, when you're trying to get people in your church of different color, but, 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 but we're not one body when it comes to issues of racial injustice. We're not one body when that person who, uh, who's a Christian is shot and killed. We're not one body when a young brother is shot and killed innocently uh, and he's followed all the laws and the rules. We're not one body then. We're silent then. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching today. And I'm not trying to to radicalize you or anything, but I want to get you to understand that we've got work to do as the church. Second Corinthians. Here's your scripture. Y'all can say I went to church. Now, pastor did give a scripture. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. New, New Living Translation says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Can I tell you what that looks like? (laughs) He's talking about the stuff you did before. He's talking about the stuff you relied on before. He's talking about the sin that you may have been in before. That's gone. Now that you're a Christian, you've got a clean slate. This doesn't mean that now that you're a Christian, all of a sudden, you're no longer who God created you to be. It just means that the sin nature is gone. The sin stuff is gone. That stuff has moved on. You are new with a new slate. God starts from this point forward. That's what that means. It doesn't mean your identity changes. It means that your your, your spiritual construct has made some adjustments. You're different spiritually, but physically you still are the same. You haven't changed physically. Your spiritual nature has changed. Let me explain what that means. Uh, it doesn't mean that you uh, have been rehabilitated when you become a Christian. It doesn't mean that you've been reformed. God didn't break you and then reform you with clay. No, no, no. It doesn't even mean, watch this, that you are re-educated. But recreated simply means new creation in Christ. But it's an inward newness. An inward newness, okay? Now, how does, how, does that, how does that play out in real life? Well, your inward newness is reflective in your outward newness. So, in other words, my skin, my, my, my who I am, who God created me to be is the same, but I've changed on the inside. So, now, your orthodox, if you've been to Bible study, y'all get these words because uh, my wife, she preached a good message on it. Uh, it means your ortho, 
orthodoxy has to match it with your orthopraxy. So let me explain what those words mean. Orthodoxy is what you believe, right? So if I'm changed on the inside, what I believe and what I give my greatest attention to, what I give my greatest uh, 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 aspiration to, who I serve, where my faith lies, that's what my orthodoxy is. It's all about what I believe. Now, what you believe, nobody knows until you operate under your orthopraxy, which is how you walk that thing out. Your orthodoxy has to line up with your orthopraxy. Am I doing all right first, lady? All right. It has to match up. So what you believe has to look like what you believe. And too many of us, uh, 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 and not just, not just uh, in, 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 in the church, but too many of us in, it don't look like what we believe. If we're one body, then the, body, the Bible says this, we're all one body. If one body is broken, then it affects the entire body. Am I right about it? So in other words, if one part of the body is broken, then we automatically do something as the entire body to address the issue of the part that's broken. Am I right about it? Y'all walking with me? And so what happens is you find a broken part of the body that looks like you and I, but the other part of the body remains silent and pretends that nothing is going on with that part of the body. I know it's broken. But I'll just continue to change my walk and I'll just walk with a limp. I'm not going to address the issue with the broken part of the body. And what has happened is with the church is that we've ignored the brokenness that's in the body. We've ignored it. We've not addressed it. We got people that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but we've, we, we've, we, we, we ignore it. I remember, and this is getting slightly off subject, but it's still on there. I remember, and we're talking about the church here. I remember when, when, when this great man in 2008 uh, with a strange name uh, changed politics in America forevermore. Uh, his name was uh, Barack Obama. Uh, we call him President Barack Obama. Uh, he became the first black president in this country. And the first thing that happened to this great man, uh, Barack Obama, he did say that he wasn't Christian. Y'all remember him saying he was a Christian? Uh, we knew he was a Christian. A uh, matter of fact, it came out that he was a Christian because they denounced the man's pastor, Dr. the Right Reverend, Dr. Jeremiah Wright. Y'all remember this? Y'all following with me? But ever since that moment, all they kept saying is he's a Muslim. The body, this man has publicly said that he's a Christian. We've seen and met his pastor whom the body has denounced. Hear me. And every since that moment, he's a Muslim. They constantly degraded this man. The body is so broken. They've ignored it. They, the man is a part of the body. Oh, he's not Christian. He don't hold the same beliefs. Why? Because he won't legislate morality which is not his job anyway. He's not a lawmaker. Understand the government and politics people. And so the body has spoke against this wonderful man who has said without a doubt that he's a Christian. And because he said that and because he is uh, sympathizing the same way that Jesus sympathized with the Gentiles, he's sympathizing with Muslims, y'all understand, and Sumerians who, who, who worshipped somewhere else, who were technically part of another religion. Jesus sympathized with them. But here we are. We can't sympathize with, we can't sympathize with Muslims. We can't sympathize with the non-believers. We can't sympathize with them. Why not? Who makes you greater than Jesus? I know I'm a little passionate this morning. Y'all say angry, but it's passion. It's different. It's different. I promise it's different. Wusa. 
They did this to this great man and continue to do it today. But our great 45, uh, who's making this country great again, the way that they think is great, who says he's a Christian, looks nothing like it. His orthodoxy has yet to line up with his orthopraxy. When they come together, then I'll become a believer. His orthodoxy, what he says he believes, looks like nothing what he actually does. Because Jesus, who was also an immigrant, y'all remember he did go to Egypt. Uh, He was there. He was an immigrant. Uh, uh, He went there. He was an immigrant. They didn't kick him out. But we're trying to kick other people out. I know y'all listening Facebook Live. Leave your comments. I'm not afraid of you. Hear me. We're hypocrites. We are hypocrites. And we need to speak out against that. They say, no, you shouldn't be preaching politics. I'm not preaching politics. I'm preaching the gospel. And the gospel preaches against politics. I'm preaching only the gospel because I'm only talking about what my Jesus did. And what we're doing as the church looks nothing like what my Jesus did. Nothing like what my Jesus did. And we need to fix that. We need to fix that. I want to tell you something that since I'm talking about the right reverend, Dr. Jeremiah Wright, he says something that was beautiful. And you can apply this, whatever your nationality is, whatever your culture is. I love this because it comes together. Dr. Jeremiah Wright said this. He said, we are unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian. You, wherever your nationality is, your cultural background, your identity, it doesn't matter. You are unapologetically, undeniably, uh, uh, hear me, you are all that and a bag of family-sized chips. Because God made you that way. God created you that way. He made no mistake when he created you. And watch this. I'm going to tell you how he didn't make a mistake. If y'all want to listen to me, I'm just going to read it really quick because I'm running out of time. I love what the psalmist says. And this is David, King David, who was in the lineage of Jesus Christ, by the way. Watch this. He says this in Psalms 139, 13 through 17. New Living Translation. He said, you made all the delicate, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born and every day my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day have passed how precious are your thoughts about me oh lord and this is what i'm trying to tell you mosaic church god when he made you it wasn't an accident he didn't put that blueprint down and say oh let me erase he said perfect tina he said perfect will he said perfect marissa he said perfect nikki he said perfect jana he said perfect danny he said perfect because i've made you in my own image and i don't make mistakes He knew what he was doing when he created you. He knew he would give you the eyes you have. He knew he would give you the skin you have. He knew he would have the struggles you have. But he also knew that he would pull you out of them if you just call his name. You don't have an identity crisis. 
You are perfectly, wonderfully made complex in the image of God. We don't have an identity crisis. And I love how David says this because if we know David, David, they, they, they told David when he was a little boy who was a shepherd that he was going to be king. How hard would that be to believe? I'm out here with these stinky animals who don't want to mind me all the time. And you're telling me one day I'm going to sit on a throne? Are you serious? Because nobody in my family has ever been a king. How do you think that felt to President Barack Obama, whose father is not even an American citizen? And he becomes the first president. As the days went by, he was like, people actually like me. Wait, they're actually voting for me. Do they know my name is Barack Hussein Obama? What? This is really happening? I'll be the first in my lineage to say that we had a president in the office of one of the most powerful nations in the world. And that's the struggle that King David had when he was writing this particular psalm because he knew very well how planned and ordained his life was. Why? He was ordained a king. He was on the run from the king. He served the king, Saul. And can you imagine that struggle? How am I going? I'm not qualified to be a king. Nobody in my family has ever been a king. What are you talking about, king? And some of you are sitting here right now. There's something that God has given you. And you're saying, nah, I I, want to do that, but nobody in my family has ever done that. You'd probably be the first college graduate in your family. The first business owner in your family, the first president, the first mayor, the first female governor of color in Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm speaking prophetically. Y'all got to speak things as if they were. Y'all know scripture. Speak things as if they were. We got to speak that into existence. Come on, somebody. Y'all got to work with me here. We got we got to change some things. Glory to God. One more scripture and then I want to I want to part here. Actually, before I do that, let's go back to T'Challa. I'm going to show a clip after that. I talk about T'Challa. Final scripture, then we're done. So don't play it yet. So T'Challa has this identity crisis. Okay, Killmonger checks him. If you were here a couple weeks ago, he played that video clip. Killmonger checks him like, yo, I want the throne because you're not doing anything with the throne. There are 8 billion people that look like you and me that could use some of our riches, and you're not doing anything with it. T'Challa, oh, I'm not the king of the world. I'm the king of, I'm the king of Wakanda. That's it, right? So then T'Challa is just trying to, you know, he's having this crisis. So how do I be a great king? Well, you know, what does it take to be a great king? I want to be like you, daddy. But daddy's like, yo, you, you, you're a kind person. You know, you're going to lead differently. You're going to govern different than I've governed. Okay, so here's what you do with it. He didn't tell him what to do with it, but you're going to see in this video clip what T'Challa does once he realizes who he really is and what he has the authority to do. Watch this clip. So he takes what he inherited, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to stick with the ideology that my daddy had, that what we have as Wakandans must be kept sacred, must be personal, and must be kept just for us. He says, I'm going to share this because my daddy was good. He was a great, great king, but my daddy missed it. I know better. So I'm going to do better. I I know better, so I'm going to do better. And the thing is, part of our story here as Christians, people of color who have fought to find our identity in this country the minute we got off the ship. We fought to find our identity. 
They put us with people that didn't even speak the same language, and we had to figure out a way to communicate, so we used the drum. They took the drum from us, and so we started clapping our hands. They tried to cut off our hands, and we, we found a way to communicate. They gave us the worst parts of the pig during slavery, and we said, you know, we're going to make chitlins. We're going to make hog moths. We're going we gonna to make something wonderful out of the scraps y'all give us. Now, I don't eat none of that stuff no more. I know better. Not saying you don't. But hear what I'm trying to tell you. We know better. We do better. And as I watch this right here, there's so much meat in just that small clip. So much meat. This man stepping outside of his father's legacy and creating a legacy of his own. This man showing kids with the same melanin that he has, hey, you can do this. You know, it was a proud moment for me. In 2008, when President Barack Obama became president, for the first time in my life, since I was a little boy, and some of you in here can attest to it, they would always tell you in school, you could be anything you want to be. You can be an astronaut. You can be a this. You can be a that. You could even be president. And I was like, yeah, I could be an astronaut. We had a black one. I could, be, I could be that. You're right. I see people that look like me who've done that. But they were saying this when I was a little boy. You could be president. And I never saw one that looked like me. I never believed that was possible. And it's hard to believe in something you can't see for yourself. You hard to believe. So the minute that brother got up there and was inaugurated to become president, I didn't agree with everything he said. Many of you didn't either, especially the second term. But you know what? Beyond that, I saw something that was wonderful. Man, I could tell my kids today, you can be president, and they actually have some history to see that it's true you can because we've had one. You've seen the example of it. It's possible. And that's what I saw in this video clip. These kids see, wow, wait a minute. We got spaceships? We? Us? <laughs> we have spaceships? We are killing it. And he comes, and, 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 and the thing is, he goes back to where his uncle was killed from the hand of his father. He goes back to that place, and he does what God does with us. All of those areas that are broken and messed up and jacked up and have some history and some bad stuff, God says, give me that. Let me purchase that for you. Let me make it redeemable so now it can be used for good. That's what T'Challa did. I know that there's poverty in these buildings. <laughs> I know that there was a, a murder that happened here, but I'm going to make it right. Let me purchase this back. Make it redeemable. Teach these kids in the hood that look at this. See the spaceship that comes from us. And we're going to teach you how to make spaceships. Can you hear what he said? He says, I want you to be over the technology. He told his sister, Shuri, I want you to be over the technology. I want you to teach these kids in this hood how to be that. And you and I have to be that. We have to say to our kids in our generation, I want you to be a Christian. But can I show you some history? Like we existed before slavery. We were Christians before they forced it on us. That's a fallacy. <laughs> the early church fathers were Christians. Augustine of Hippo and so many others. We've got to teach our children that they matter and that our history didn't start on a slave ship on the way over here. It started with Jesus Christ all the way in the Bible who comes from a region that our ancestors come from. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's all I got.
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor V said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.